Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Although you may have found us on any of your favorite listening apps, make sure you download the Himalaya app and follow us there to stay informed of when new episodes air, and we will be offering special episodes and goodies on the Himalaya app only, and it's free, and it can be accessed from anywhere in the world, and it will allow you to curate your own favorite playlist. Now, let's start the show. This podcast is brought to you by bikeflights.com, a bicycle shipping service for cyclists. We all look forward to the time when we are able to resume welcoming fellow cyclists into our homes and shipping bikes for travel. In the meantime, bikeflights.com can help you ship your spare bikes, trainers, wheels, and gear to friends or family members so they can commute and exercise too while they are physical distancing. So stay home and arrange a pickup directly from your house. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers for more information. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bike Life Podcast. You guys are in for a real treat today because not only do we have a very experienced podcaster as our guest, but he is also someone with a wealth of experience touring and using equipment and planning your bicycle trips. And he has been all over and his name is Tim Mooney and he is the host of the Pedal Shift Project. So thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I loved listening to your show because you share, you know, good information and stories and you, you know, you've been a part of the Warm Showers community and you are so experienced at touring that I know our listeners are going to love hearing about your experience. Well, thank you. Uh, It's so funny. I feel like um, in some ways, I know that there are a ton of people who have decades more touring experience than I do. I just happen to yak about it in front of a microphone a lot. So people think that it's important somehow, but yeah, I've been, I've been doing it for a few years and, uh, I, it just bit me so hard and so quickly that I, I just, everything, all of my spare time seems to go into it. So I'm excited to talk about it as you can probably tell. Yeah. And you know, the thing too is about podcasting, because as I was telling you before we started to record, I also host my own show called Grit and Grace, uh, which is primarily for female business owners and women on a career path. And I also co-host two other shows. And I find that once you get into the, um, you build into your life, this idea of sharing knowledge through an audio format, it is, it's quite spectacular because I also consume a lot of content. So I love listening to good shows. So listening to yours, I can feel you have that bug. (laughs) Does it come across? People have accused me of that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so how do you, okay, so let me start there. Like how, what made you start a podcast to share your journey? How did that begin? Well, I'll back it up a little bit. I I always was into bicycling and I, but as with most things, once you become an adult, you sometimes your passions as a kid uh, go by the wayside and you forget about them. And, and I remember I was sitting 
at a, a breakfast with uh, some folks from 1% for the Planet. And uh, the business that I was working with, my partner, she owned at the time a yoga studio, and I was her general counsel, her lawyer, her ops director. And uh, we were part of 1% up for the planet, which is groups of businesses that pledge to give 1% of their, uh, I believe, all of their income, not just the, the net, but the gross towards environmental causes. And they were putting together a bicycle tour of Northern California and uh, with, a, with, a, uh, with another organization and uh, Climate Ride. So I was so excited about the concept of getting on a bicycle and bicycling through the Avenue of the Giants and whatnot that I just signed up for it immediately. And that was what got me into bicycle touring that whole trip right there. It just, it just even the training for it, everything got me super excited for it. And then I realized as I was really into bicycle touring, I was simultaneously also really into podcasting. And I started looking around. I was like, Where, where's the, all the bicycle touring podcasts? There must be dozens of them. Mm. And while there were folks that talked about bicycle touring back at that point, there wasn't one that was just dedicated to it. And I thought, well, yeah, sort of. I'm just getting started here, but why don't I just give it a shot, see what happens? And that turned into the Pedal Shift Project. And I have to say, here we are almost six years later, 200 episodes later, and mm. it's as much fun to do the podcast as it is to hop on the bike and go, which is really just this incredible synchronicity, I guess. Mm, I love that. I love it because you probably were sharing as you were learning, so your audience was learning with you. Absolutely. I, and I have to say, even now, I learn something every day. Every time I get on the bike, every time I talk to somebody on the podcast, either on the mic or off the mic, I'm constantly learning. So you're absolutely right. The 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 nature of the podcast allows me to constantly take something new and applying it to my next ride, which is great. Mm, and I'm sure that people learn from you and then reach out to you and you build a community around it as well. Well, that's been the biggest surprise. I mean, I thought... You know, I, I've been in podcasting since 2005 when it was basically just the realm of tech nerds and, <laughs> and whatnot. <laughs> but, you know, I thought, ah, you know, maybe a few a do few dozen people, a few hundred people will listen to this. Who knows? And just over time, it's grown. And yeah, when when people will come up to me and, and ask me questions as if I'm some sort of expert in the subject matter, it's just like, again, you know, I just sit in front of a microphone occasionally and talk about it. I know there's tons of people out there who know a lot more than I do, but what I I like about it is the fact that, yeah, I learned something. I can pass on some knowledge. And I've had folks uh, get in touch with me. Uh, the one that's sticking in my head right now is I did an episode on emergency fixes. You know, what can you do if your chain busts? Well, you can make your make or, or your uh, maybe your derailleur bust. It was this example. A guy guy's derailleur busted. And I mentioned on the show, you can basically make your bike into a single speed. Just, you know, refix your chain, fix that all up and you can go and get to wherever you need to go. Turns out that guy was listening to that episode. Literally, that happened to him. So he had an audio guide on how to fix his bike to be able to keep going. And, you know, I hear stuff like that. I'm like, you know what? Maybe even though maybe I'm not like the, the world's leading expert by any stretch of the imagination, I can pass on information like that and help people get down the trail a little bit further or enjoy their rides a little bit more. Or, you know, just anything to kind of share this wealth of experience because my great discovery uh, throughout all of this is that the bicycle touring community is really, really good about sharing information and not having ownership over that information. And that to me is just so glorious in a world where eh, that doesn't really exist very much these days, it feels like sometimes. And it's just nice to be in that kind of a community. 
That's very true. And and that is a big piece of what makes, you know, the warm showers community so spectacular is that, you know, we are a global organization where people open up their homes to touring cyclists to offer hospitality and a break and a place to connect and learn and foster that community. And it's, it's without a fee, like there's no fee exchange. There might be an exchange of service or cooking or food or, or whatever that might be, but it's about kindness. And so you sharing that, you know, the way that you're sharing that on the pedal shift project is really aligned with what warm showers does as well. So let's, before we talk about, cause I want to talk more and hear more about your warm showers experiences, but I would love to tell people. So the pedal shift project is available on all listening platforms. All, all, all the podcasts that you can cast a pod at. Yes, uh, it's it. And uh, if, if you want to find like kind of the central location, the best place on the web is pedalshift.net. Great. I will go ahead and put that in the show notes for you. Excellent. Thank you. And then people can follow along and, and hear about your journey. Now let's talk about your, your cycling history. So you started in this trip to in Northern California. That's and then right. Where, and then you got the bug. <laughs> yeah. It, I think, you know, I even track it back even before that sort of when I, when I was a kid, I grew up in Western New York, uh, a stone's throw from the Erie Canal and the Erie Canal has a pretty famous towpath that's alongside of it. And I remember as a kid when I would kind of, uh, you know, run off and go on my own little adventures, I'd end up on the towpath occasionally and I'd look one direction and I'd be like, you know what, if I went 50 miles that way, I'd be in Buffalo. And if I, and I turned the other way and if I was, I was like, if I went 300 miles that way, I'd be in Albany. And that to me as a kid was just mind blowing. Never mind the fact that the path didn't really connect all that far. And my, my knowledge of the actual towpath was a little less than, than reality. But that was the kind of thing that I realized that when I was a little kid on my bike, that bicycles equaled adventure. And mm. then I had that separation. And then I had that Northern California adventure. And that just opened things up for me because little did I know I'm living in Washington, DC by that point, that a stone's throw away, like when I was a kid, there's a towpath. And it was the Chesapeake and Ohio National Historic Parks towpath. And it went from Washington, D.C. all the way to Cumberland, Maryland. And then you could grab another trail, the Great Allegheny Passage, and go all the way to Pittsburgh. And suddenly I'm sort of rediscovering that sense of adventure as a kid, you know. But I'm substantially older than that, you know, a few <laughs> years later. Add a few zeros to the end, right? And I, But I'm finding that same sense of wonderment of looking at a map going, I got from here to there on a real deal map by bicycle, you know, mm-hmm. just seeing that distance. And that really just catapulted me into all sorts of different places. Then I started going out. I, I, I used to live in Oregon for a time. So bicycling the Oregon coast and bicycling California over and over again and discovering other trails and paths and routes. And then eventually I ended up doing the entire Pacific coast in 2014, which was at the very dawn of the pedal shift project as a podcast. So, you know, just it, everything kept layering and layering up. And then I started doing weird things. Like uh, I had a folding bike, at one, a, a different folding bike than I have right now. And I thought, hmm, you know what? I can use transit and my bike to go from D.C. to Boston using only local transit and my bike. Just weird stunts like that. And that was the kind of stuff that just I didn't have in my 20s and 30s so much. But mm-hmm. I've been able to really get now and the bicycle's such a critical piece of that. Um, and then you start meeting people that have like-minded ideas and you know, friends out in Portland who are with the, the Sprocket podcast. You know, they, they're bikey and bike toury as well. And, you know, I've developed a real friendship with folks like that. So, you know, all of this isn't possible without the bicycle and without bike touring. And I'm just so grateful for it because my life is so much better because of it. Mm, thank you for sharing. Um, 
my question for you is, did you do these trips in amongst like having a career? So did you also work and have a family? And was this like your vacation time? It was a little bit of both. Um, it, it was always always my time away from work. Um, I, I sort of, once the Pedal Shift Project could kind of build itself into something where it could kind of pay for itself, that was kind of the the goal was to eventually get it. So it's all right. I've got folks who help support the show. And so that helps pay the internet bills and stuff like that. From that point on, it was like, great, awesome. Then it was for, starting to find the time to be able to fill in and do these types of bike tours and um, have the, the the types of adventures that uh, a quote unquote normal person can have, you know? Um, and that was that one thing that was really helpful when I first got into it is um, since I was working for my partner, we were able to kind of figure out a good balance of my ability to get out there and do things. So being in an entrepreneurial setting really helped uh, my ability to take some time off and do some longer adventures. And as uh, that has changed into me kind of working for a regular full-time job, um, to find ways to find long weekends and other opportunities to do the types of trips that I want to do within the constraints that are available to me. And I think that that's been really good. And I think it's also been really accessible for folks who listen to the show. I think a lot of times, a lot of the bicycle touring media we see are these grand, amazing adventures. And I do not wish to uh, pour cold water on those adventures, but they're not accessible for a lot of folks. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to go bicycle tour across Mongolia for three months or Mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. Amazing, cool adventures, just not accessible for someone in my stead, you know? And so that's why I've felt really good about sharing just this, these ordinary adventures that one can go on and also sharing kind of, yeah, sometimes they don't go so well. And I've had to call a few tours because of mechanicals or, uh, for a variety of different reasons and sharing that with folks. It's like, you know what, these don't always go perfectly well every single time. And I think that that also, humanizes it a little bit more and i've gotten good feedback on some of the tours that maybe haven't exactly been these rousing successes just because you know you sort of call your shot you hope you hit it and most of the time you do but sometimes eh, you don't but sometimes the story behind that is almost as interesting as the story of completing the adventure that you thought you were going to have yeah, and the truth is, is that you're correct, that not all bicycle tours are, you know, these big, massive six-month sabbatical from life, from work, and, you know, going, you know, to another part of the world. It, it can be, and for sure, in our case, we have a lot of users who, of our platform, who plan those types of adventures. But in the majority of the cases, it is a way to build it into your life. And, and you know, f- some people are fortunate enough to be able to build their life around when they can tour, and that is ideal. And that's what we do to support. That's what you do to support. But we also know that in a lot of cases, people have families and jobs and responsibilities. And this is just a way to not only experience something. I like I like a word that you used at the very beginning, which is like a, I think you said it was a not normal adventure or <laughs> a unique adventure. But I also think it's a way to be in nature. It's a way to feel the wind in your face and to see other parts of whatever the part of the world you live in, to see that part of the world without being in a car that's, you know, contributing to pollution and being able to bring the land into your adventure. I think that that's such a a common component amongst, amongst touring cyclists. I agree. And what you said, I think, really resonates with me. And I've said it a bunch of times on my pod. Seeing the world at the speed of a bicycle is mm. so different and so much more valuable to me 
Um, I'll use, I use this example all the time. I'll be cycling the Oregon coast. I usually do every year. This may be the first year that I don't cycle the Oregon coast, uh, in, in nearly a decade, I think. And there are parts of highway 101, which is on the Oregon coast for most of the way there where, you know, I will see a bent up guardrail that's in this kind of nondescript area. And maybe it's a nice overlook. Maybe it's not, but I see something about that. And then I see a couple of other things around it. And I remember a couple of things. I'll remember what I was listening to at the time, the last time I was there, um, what, you know, what I was thinking about sometimes. It's just amazing how bicycle speed brings all of these sense memories back to you. And I have since, in, in, subsequently to riding the coast on a bike, I've done it in a car, and I'll see these places, and they just zoom by, and those memories are just kind of mm. here and gone. And I, I realize how valuable seeing the world by bicycle is, to me at least, and I've heard that reflected back to me by a lot of listeners, a lot of folks I'll meet at campgrounds and whatnot along the way. And in fact, the the one warm shower stay that I, I had that I would love to talk about at some point, because... I, I was a reluctant warm showers uh, person at the beginning, and I—that's I, a story I think that would be valuable to tell <laughs> yes, because I am now we're a, definitely. I'm now a huge fan. Let's just put okay, it that way. <laughs> we're definitely going to talk about that, but I want to ask you. So, to go back to that, do you think that the reason why that observation that you had is, do you think that that's related to the speed in which you were observing, or do you think that that is the method in which you were observing? Because, right on a bicycle, you are you're able to actually connect with the trees and the guardrail. And, you know, we all, we all know that everything has energy. So when you're not can, you know, covered in metal, you have a different connection to things. Do you think it's the speed or do you think it's the relative closeness in the connection? I think I'm going to cop out and say it's a little of both because uh. <laughs> I, I think that the speed is a major, major element. Um, I think that when we slow down, we are able to process more um, just in the time that we have. And that's just, I mean, that's physics, you know, I mean, it's right, distance right. over time, right? Right. But I think also at the same time, it's 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 what you were saying about feeling the wind in your face, mm-hmm. uh, about experiencing the smells. You know, uh, when I'm in a car going uh, on a, on a coast, I sometimes every once in a while you catch a whiff of the the sea air and you go, oh, wow, we must be near the coast or something like that. But when you're on a bicycle and you're out there really experiencing it man, you get it all in your face, sometimes you get the roadkill, too. And, some, you know, mm-hmm. you get a lot of additional interfaces with your environment. And I think that that really makes a big difference to um, sounds. You know, when you think about it, you're going at highway speeds in a motor vehicle. You're getting that kind of dim white noise whir of the air hitting the windshield and and maybe the tires hitting the pavement. When you're doing at a bicycle speed, you're getting the birds, you're getting the waves, you're getting all sorts of things. If you're in the mountains, maybe you're hearing the wind rustle through. I mean, all sorts of different uh, environmental interfaces that you have. And I think that that makes a huge difference too. It's like all your senses are being activated. <laughs> so that definitely, Absolutely. That, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Now let's take a moment to learn a little bit more about today's episode being brought to you by bikeflights.com, a bicycle shipping service for cyclists. You'll enjoy fast delivery, great prices, and excellent service with every shipment. Select your shipment's delivery speed to suit your schedule and tap into their group buying power to get great rates. 
Throughout the shipping process, their support team, made up of fellow cyclists, works directly with their carrier's exclusive global operational team so that your shipment will arrive on time. Join the more than 700,000 cyclists who have used bikeflights.com to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today to find out more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. And so, okay, so what was with the reluctance in using warm showers? How did like how did that come about? So I I started doing bicycle touring and I started off in the okay, they're gonna haul your gear and you're gonna be end up at campsites and and that was sort of my initial thing. And then I was like, you know what? I'm a little more of a loner when I bike. And being a loner means, okay, camping fits really, really well into the aesthetic of what I was going for. I also had the C&O trail nearby my place in D.C., and that's where I was doing so much stuff. And there are free campgrounds every 10 miles. So it was a combination of my personality, I'm normally a huge extrovert, but when it comes to bicycle touring, I become a huge introvert. It's very weird. I need You're to go like, to therapy tune just out, to tune out the world. <laughs> exactly. My, my uh, partner is a therapist now. And so I, I think I need to hire her for a little bit to kind of dig into this issue a little bit. But <laughs> in any event, um, so that was a piece of it. And also, you know, I, I, I was reluctant to get into a situation and you know, it's like a person you connect with, but you don't connect with a lot. And it's like, well, I'm reluctant to kind of get into that whole scenario. I don't know what they're going to want from me. You know, all of those weird excuses that I think you build up um, when you don't understand something, you don't know something. I even did a podcast. I think it was within the first 10 or 12 episodes or so that said why I'm uh, uh, what did I say? Why I'm lukewarm on warm showers or something like that. And I explained all this in greater detail. And, and But I always knew because everybody I ran into who used warm showers always spoke it up, said, you know what? This is this is as important as bicycling. Um, and a lot of people would say the people that you meet along the way, especially the, the warm showers hosts, those interactions were more important to them than the actual trip itself. And then I got that because as I would go bicycle touring and meet uh, odd, odd folks along the way on my trips. Uh, you know, I, I knew that it was the people that you meet. So fast forward, this took me years, by the way, fast mm -hmm. forward to last year, I'm doing a trip where I wanted to, I was inspired by the rails to trails folks trying to connect all these big trails together to create that big, great American rail trail. And so I was inspired to take the CNO, the gap and the Ohio to Erie trail and go from DC to Cincinnati using all three of those trails, complete through rides of these trails. A listener on my show was a warm showers host and had sort had had sort of said, "Hey, I know you're reluctant to do this, but maybe I could be your training wheels." And I thought, "Okay, all right, maybe." Well, as it turns out, I end up outside of Akron, Ohio, and the trail just is cut off. There's no detour. There's no nothing, and it happened to be in the area where I was going to be staying with her, with the listener that night, and. You know, I gave her, I texted her, I gave her a call. I said, Hey, guess what? I guess, I guess we're definitely doing this now <laughs> because it was originally, she's like, I'm, Nope, I'm not going to push you. I'm not going to do anything. You know, I'll drive and I'll bring a pizza out to the campsite. You know, she, she was great. And I said, Okay, okay, it's training wheels. You know, here we go. And I ended up having, I think, probably my favorite night on that trip and possibly one of my favorite bicycle touring nights of all time. Just, talking and sharing and and it wasn't just her it was her partner as well and you know just sharing stories and going through all of that and it took 
a great experience like that for me to recognize that it's like, you know what, sometimes when we get involved in adventures, we're reluctant to kind of throw, there's the old Irish proverb of taking your hat and throwing it over the wall. So you have to climb the wall and go get it. I feel Mm -hmm. like I kind of needed that for to overcome my reluctance to get involved with warm showers. And now, frankly, I'm a huge, 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 huge promoter of it. I just sort of ran out of tours um, that last year. And now, of mm-hmm. course, gestures broadly, all of this, you know, uh, bicycle touring is, is maybe on a little pause for some folks. But I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking into using it much more often now, not so much for the convenience of, oh, great, free place to stay. Mm-hmm. But for those interactions and to share the experiences and to learn more. And I just think that that's the type of thing that is a multiplier for your joy on a bicycle tour. When you can sit down at the end of a day and just enjoy good stories with folks, you know, over the beverage of your choice and, you know, talk about your day and talk about the tour and talk about their tours. I'm so excited to be doing it again. And I'm really glad that um, uh, this interaction that I had, this story that I have to tell. I hope that other people hear that. And if you're reluctant to try out warm showers, give it a shot because I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at how great it can be um, and how much you're going to enjoy that experience as a multiplier for what your bicycle tour experience is. Mm, That's great. Well, thanks, Tim. I appreciate that. I'm glad you took the chance and, and gave it a try. I think you're right that there is something to be said about feeling like you're on a journey solo, right? That's the other thing is that interacting with a human might feel like it's going to impact the solo-ness of the solitude of what you're attempting to achieve. But I also think that that connection to like-minded people, right, that share your passion and your joy is actually, that is such a big part of what Warm Showers is all about, is the human-to-human connection to people that you wouldn't normally meet. And, and it's and it's around a specific way of sharing hospitality and that exchange of kind energy back and forth um, that you know, it does just sprinkle joy. I love it the way that you worded that. Yeah. And hospitality is such a great word to use in this context. It's it's a word that I don't feel like is used a lot outside of maybe the hospitality industry where you're paying money for these kinds of things. But mm-hmm. its genesis, I think, comes from cultures where we openly share these things. Travelers were able to get that kind of treatment along the road when they were traveling and people would open their doors like that. And I think that's such a a, a wonderful thing that warm showers is tapping into our sort of natural desire to open our doors to folks and to welcome them in and, you know, to have the exchange be more in the experience that we give to each other rather than, you know, um, rewards points and, you know, uh, uh, right. uh, you know, discounts and things like right. that. It's just nice right. to have that in the world these days. It's interesting that you say that and that you quoted an, an Irish, um, an, an Irish little verbiage there because I've been doing some studying on my own Irish ancestors because a quarter of my family is from Ireland. And we're in, the, I'm taking this class together with my daughter and some friends, and we're learning about the Irish tradition of hospitality, which is so been lost in the Western part of the world of this idea of hospitality for travelers. And I feel like 
one thing that bicyclists, especially those on short tours, long tours, or day tours, have in common is just this understanding of the need to like be able to take a breath with somebody that can give you some water, some food, some nourishment, um, some support along your journey. So that word hospitality is is actually a word I'm studying. <laughs> it's funny that we bring it up because it's it's a part of my class that I'm studying for like the next 90 days. That word will be used a lot in my language. There's an element to, I, I'm not far from the Appalachian Trail where I'm sitting right now here in West Virginia. And there's an element to folks who hike the AT and indeed all long distance hikers, there's a, a term called uh, trail angels. And I've often thought that warm showers taps into that same kind of magic. Um, mm. the, the, tra- the trail angels bring trail magic to folks. They'll leave uh, coolers filled with uh, cold water for hikers. They'll do all sorts of different things for the hikers. And I feel like that we don't have a, a direct analog to that in bicycle touring, but I feel like that what warm showers does taps into that same thing, the the bicycle touring magic, the bicycle touring angels. Mm, yeah. That's actually that's good. We should we should build that analogy into our branding. So thank you for that, Tim. <laughs> you may have just given that us one's a for new free, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Well, let me. You know, before, I know we don't have long, but I would love to hear what is what is your your favorite the favorite most favorite tour that you've done so far. Oh, I. It's like, I don't have kids. It's like, oh, it's like dogs. I have lots of dogs. I couldn't pick, pick my favorite. Dog. Well, I could pick my favorite dog. She's right here. Um, anyways, <laughs> so I guess I'll have to, I, I'll have to uh, take that analogy and pick my favorite one. I think um, the one that was the most fun because it was, in a sense, the biggest adventure was my Pacific Coast ride back in 2014. That was the longest one that I had done. Starting off in Canada and ending up at the Mexican border. That was amazing. I was also so still relatively new to it all um, that this big, huge scope of an adventure really was uh, something fun to, to bite off and chew. But I do also have to say the one that I did last year of the DC to Cincinnati one was a lot of fun because it was taking existing routes and and tying them together in a very specific way. And, uh, you know, when you can kind of invent your own route a little bit, that's kind of fun too. So I'd say those are two of my favorites, but my favorite route as everybody who listens to my pod knows is the, the Chesapeake and Ohio towpath, man. That's, that's, that's my backyard. And I just love every, every element of it, even when it doesn't love me back that much, it's still, <laughs> uh, and it, it, and it doesn't sometimes I can assure you of that. There's something about it that, you know, when you ride a, a place and you get to know it as well as I have, it's just so fun and so great. And then to connect that with the Great Allegheny Passage all the way up from Cumberland to Pittsburgh and the contrast between the trails and and the change as you go into the mountains and, and get into Western Pennsylvania, uh, that, that's pretty pretty excellent too. But no disrespect to places like, oh, uh, Missouri, you know, you've got the Katy Trail and all sorts of other great routes out there. Uh, the one thing that I found is I think I have never had a route or tour that I've disliked. There's always something to like about it. And there's always some fun bits of adventure that you can pull out of it. So wherever you're at, if you've got something that's close to you and you're new to this, I say just go out and ride it. Try it out. Um, You don't have to always go fly out to Oregon or to California or to Florida or wherever to get these uh, great adventures. You can really find them in your own backyard. I know I have. So being the experienced cyclist that you are, and I'm sure someone who's received a lot of questions on this topic, for people that are newer in their touring um, journeys, what do you suggest is the most important thing they focus on, no matter where they're at in the world? 
when it comes to even developing your mindset around how to take a long tour, besides the conditioning piece and making sure your equipment is in order, I mean, that's all a given, but in terms of the mindset piece, what, what do you, what do you have to share about that? I think that, you know, biting these things off in small chunks is probably the way to do it. Um, I, I often say you don't have to wait for the perfect conditions. Um, I, I'll, interact with folks who are like, oh, I can't wait to do this after I retire, or I can't wait to do this um, after I save up and get a better bike, or I got to save up and get those expensive panniers that you've got. You know, I started off with the car camping equipment that had been sitting in a closet for 10 years and with the bike that, you know, frankly was not well suited for it ultimately compared to what I had now, but it worked and I was able to have these great adventures and it was, I was able to uh, realize, and subsequently I've seen this where people will buy a bike at Walmart for a hundred bucks and strap some, strap a car camping tent to it and go off and have a great time with it. Mm. And, you know, it's maybe that's not a sustainable thing. If you're thinking about doing a, a six week tour from, uh, Canada to Mexico. But you know what? It's certainly great for an overnight, which is a great place to start, or a weekend adventure, or, 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 you know, and, and, um, I think that that, that's the biggest thing is start with what you've got, do what you can, and expand from there because that's, I think, the best way to do it. Grow organically and know that, you know, there's always the opportunity to do more down the line, but sticking with what works for you in the here and now, doing it. And then saying, all right, I did that check. What's next? I think that's the kind of way to go. Mm, I love it. That's just like start where you're at. I mean, progress over perfection, right? Like yeah. one step at a time. Yeah. And is that is that why you use the phrase ride your ride? That is absolutely the reason why. I, I, I've heard that phrase before. That's That's not something that I sort of invented by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I say it at the beginning of every show because – there's one thing that I think is most important with bicycle touring is nobody has the right to say that you are doing it wrong, um, with the exception mm -hmm. of when if you uh, if you are uh, abandoning leave no trace camping. That's the one time I will say you're doing it wrong. However, or if you're quarantined, let's just let's just we're in 2020, so if you're quarantined, you're point. supposed to stay at home. That's okay. There's maybe the second reason <laughs> that fair you point. should yeah, not be. <laughs> do not violate laws. Do not right. do do not do stupid things. Do not. Right. I will not. I will not say the the swear version of this, but do not be a jerk shall we say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a different way of saying it on my pods. <laughs> but in any event, you know, it's, um, I think that everybody gets to ride the ride that they want to ride. And if that means that they want to load up their bike and carry a trailer and bring tons of gear and go 15 miles a day, that's awesome. If they want to be a bike packer and be super minimal and, uh, you know, ride 90 miles in a day, that's great too. I think that there's so many different um, things within the umbrella of bicycle touring that everybody can find a place where they want to occupy. And and there's no wrong way to do it with a couple of caveats that we just threw out there. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're if you're doing things and you're behaving in a socially acceptable way, uh, man, I, I just think you know, ride the ride that you want. Don't go sixty miles because Tim Mooney rides sixty miles on the CNO. Go twenty miles. Go forty miles. Hell, go eighty miles if you want. Um, I, just do the thing that brings you joy, and I think that you'll get rewarded for it. Tim, that's amazing. Thank you so much for making the time to join our brand new podcast. We really appreciate you joining the show and sharing your wisdom. Thank you. And I'm excited to listen to this podcast a lot, especially the ones that don't include me. 
<laughs> I know. We never love the sound of our own voice. But uh, as podcasters, I mean, I don't really listen to my own shows afterwards. It's like, I want to listen to you, not me. So I totally get that. Um, and so people can find you at thepedalshiftproject.net. And do you have any other social media handles that people can can track you down and sure. follow your journeys? Yeah, I'm at Pedalshift at, on most of the socials out there. And it is pedalshift.net, just so you know. Pedalshift.net. Great. Thank you so much, Tim. And for those of you that are listening, if you have not checked out our site yet, you can find us at warmshowers.org or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. And we will be back. This Bike Life podcast was brought to you by bikeflights.com, a bicycle shipping service for cyclists. We all look forward to the time when we're able to resume welcoming fellow cyclists into our homes and shipping bikes for travel. In the meantime, while we're all staying home, why not do some decluttering and sell your extra bikes, trainers, wheels, and gear online? Then use bikeflights.com to ship them to their new owners. So stay safe and arrange for pickup directly from your house. Find out more by visiting bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers for more information. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow us or wherever you are listening. Please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org. Thank you.